Blaze here for the How I Learn series and the How I Learn series podcast. This episode is a story that was recorded in January of 2012. The theme of the night was How I Learned I'll Never Do That Again, Most Likely. And the storyteller is Laura Jane Martin. Enjoy. In 2002, the summer after my freshman year of college, it took me exactly three phone calls to secure what I thought would be the perfect summer job. I would drive an ice cream truck throughout my somewhat rural hometown in upstate New York, an airtight plan. What first seemed like a good idea and the chance to live out a childhood fantasy quickly soured when I saw the seedy underbelly of soft serve. (laughs) There is one. From what I can tell, driving an ice cream truck is a lot like being president of the United States. Everyone wants something from you, and you're not entirely sure they won't kill you to get it. (laughs) My first day on the job, we were going to drive the truck to the Florida Family Fun Fest. It was one town over in Florida, New York. My boss, Jim Jones, (laughs) that's his real name, would ride with me as a probationary measure. I should have known not to trust a man with the same name as a 1970s cult leader. (laughs) I met Jim in his house the night before the fest to learn how to drive the truck. Like a cult leader, Jim was an unconventional teacher. His method involved sitting at his kitchen table and using a salt and pepper shaker to show me how far back I should stay from other cars. This was 10 years ago, so in case you don't remember, cars were not condiment size. Right away, I started wondering if I had made a huge mistake. The ice cream truck itself was converted from an old UPS truck. Jim had painted it a color I'll call whole milk white, (laughs) which looked totally creepy. It did. The truck's visual message said something like, hey kids, you're invited to the world's most delicious cult meeting. (laughs) Jim attempted to soften this invitation by having a friend draw knockoff cartoon characters all over it. He drew a sloppy Snoopy and a squirrely Woodstock, and my favorite, a soft-skulled Bart Simpson with a disconcerting dent in the side of his head. Should he still be riding his skateboard? Does he need an MRI? My private questions went unanswered. My first day began awkwardly riding with Jim to the Fun Fest. The only seat in the truck was the driver's seat, so I drove while Jim, a squat, mustachioed man in overalls, rode standing next to me in the truck step well, just holding on. It looked like a Mario brother committing highway robbery. Florida, New York is a village of 2,700 people. And at not, at, oh, we arrived at 9 a.m. Florida, New York is a village of 2,700 people. It's important. Because at 9.05 a.m., they were all online for ice cream. The soft serve machine broke by 10. A group of teenage boys started rocking the truck back and forth. Why? Why do that? It looked like a police car in a riot. Or more accurately, it looked exactly the way you'd imagine an ice cream truck would look in a riot of 2,700 people. Children wailed and parents berated me as I offered them rock-hard Pokemon Pops from the freezer. No one wanted. I should take this time to mention that Jim hated people. He warned me countless times about the ice cream biz. According to Jim, 
all our customers were lowlifes. <laughs> he drowned those lowlifes out with two wooden box speakers that he'd hung inside the truck just above the windshield. They were full-on indoor stereo speakers. They were meant to be hooked up to a home entertainment system. Is that really safe? I asked him once. Is anything really safe here? <laughs> These speakers did double duty by also drowning out the ice cream truck music. I blasted the bangles while the outside world was listening to one of four choices. Mr. Softy, Turkey in the Straw, The Entertainer, and I think something by Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> I felt like a deaf Pied Piper most of the time. After the first day at the fest, I wasn't sure if I'd survive the summer. The first hitchhiker I picked up jumped out of the moving truck, so I decided it was probably not a good idea to give rides. <laughs> I drove my route, learning the hard way that the truck would break down if I put it in reverse for more than one minute. <laughs> the truck was pretty much Vin Diesel meets Nick Cage in that it was fast, furious, and once when I parked it in the senior center parking lot without the e-brake, gone in 60 seconds. <laughs> At the end of each day, I plugged the generator in the truck that ran the soft serve machine back into Jim's house to recharge. <laughs> Side note, before you plug a truck into a house, <laughs> make sure you cut the power to both the truck and the house. One forgetful day, I forgot to flip the house switch to off and an electric current raced through my arms like a fiery serpent. I look like Tom Hanks in the end of the burbs. Things devolved over the summer. The weather was stormy and my commission dwindled. In July, Jim hired a second driver named Jason so I could make even less money. 50% of all the profits went to purchasing more ice cream. Next, subtract $50 for gas. Then Jim and I would split the remainder 50-50. It was a reciprocal relationship. He got paid thrice and I got shocked by a house. <laughs> The most exciting and terrifying feature of operating the ice cream truck by far was the way that grown men were always very eager to loudly and insistently give me unsolicited driving instructions. They saw me, a teenage girl, driving a truck, and it made them kind of woozy. How is this happening, they asked themselves. Aren't I too busy being stumped by math and science and worrying about my lack of upper body strength? Then they would regain their composure and walk into the road, usually in front of the truck, to save me from myself. <laughs> One particularly hot day, I was double teamed by two such men as I drove down a narrow residential street in the village. The older man stayed in his lawn chair the entire time, pumping his wiry arm in the air and shouting indiscernible things. <laughs> Who was I to stop him? This was obviously his passion. Why else would his chair be so close to the road? <laughs> this was not a parade route. In hindsight, though, for him, it was all a parade. Another younger man in orange corduroy pants and no shirt stepped into the road in front of the truck, vigorously waving me forward. Whenever I think of him, I always assume that he was just about to don a shirt when he saw me driving and rushed to intervene. <laughs> Admittedly, cars were parked on either side of the street, so it was tight, but I could still fit through without help. The true cause for alarm was a girthy tree branch overhanging the road and being quietly stretched as the top of the truck pushed against it. A crowd formed instantly. <laughs> Suddenly, my shirtless guy decided I couldn't make it through and started walking towards the truck with his hands up, demanding my retreat revolutionary war style. 
I reversed nervously and quickly. No longer being compressed by the front corner of the ice cream truck, the tree branch snapped and discharged like a catapult. I was too busy watching the windshield glass splinter like a frozen pond to see the branch crack off entirely and shell the older man who dove from his lawn chair. The crowd actually booed. They all gave me way too much credit, though. I could never have engineered this type of calamity, unless wishes count as premeditation. I heard the older man's beer can hit the side of the truck, so I fled the scene. I realized there was only one way to escape Jim's wrath. However much anger he displayed, I would be even angrier. I slammed the door of the truck, and seconds later flung open the door to Jim's house. He burst outside. Seeing the truck's spiderwebbed right windshield, his face turned purple. I commenced yelling about lowlifes. Jim yelled, and I yelled. Neither of us directed our tirade at the other. It was a performance piece of freeform rage. <laughs> in the end, I avoided being held accountable in any way. I suppose Jim could have garnished my non-existent wages to pay for the windshield replacement, but that would have meant taking the truck off the road for at least one day to repair it. He w was not about to do that. I'm told the very next morning when Jason showed up to work, Jim pointed to the windshield. He shook his head and said only two words, fucking Laura. <laughs> I still think that's the best way to explain it. But my, <laughs> my childhood fantasy had morphed into a teenage nightmare. My experience behind the wheel has taught me many lessons about life, expectations, and milk fat. The only one that really stuck is that I'm never going to get behind the wheel of an ice cream truck again, unless, for some reason, Jim Jones is chasing me in a second scarier ice cream truck. <laughs> then I'll drive. I'll drive like the wind. The How I Learn series is created, produced, and hosted by me, Blaze Allison Kearsley, and the podcast is produced by Lyra Smith. For more podcasts and to learn more about upcoming shows, visit www.howilearnseries.com. And that's it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the How I Learn series podcast. Thanks for listening.